Hey everyone, it's your girl Vera, and you're tuned into the KW1S podcast. This is episode three, and today I'm going to be focusing on philosophy, ethics, and human nature. So I'm going to start with debunking some common misconceptions about philosophy. I'm going to clarify the difference between morals and ethics, and I'm going to shed a little light on the human nature question. This episode was really inspired by a video that I watched of America's favorite edutainer, Bill Nye the Science Guy. I was clicking around on YouTube and I found this video of Bill describing his thoughts on philosophy. If you're curious to see what he actually said, you can easily find it on YouTube. Uh, now, as much as I love and admire Bill Nye and all of the work that he's done to make science and rational thought accessible, I was really, really disappointed with this video. Uh, he basically said that philosophy raises a lot of unnecessary doubt on our physical reality, like, do we live on a ping pong ball? And that philosophy doesn't really yield anything besides common sense answers. <sighs> this made me want to vomit in my mouth. <laughs> like many top scientists, Bill has several very basic and very dangerous misconceptions about the nature of philosophy and its purpose. And he's not the only one. A lot of very highly educated, very intelligent people have a really very poor understanding of, the, of philosophy and the critical function that it plays in our development as a species. Here in the US especially, we seem intent on ushering in a new dark age of thought, law, and philosophy. And as we lose access to the education that produces creative thought, like the arts, music, and the humanities, this problem is only gonna get worse. Now, while some people might be content to just throw gas on the fire or roast marshmallows, personally, I'm going to be one of those people pulling books out of the fire. So for this episode, I'm going to start with what is philosophy, what are ethics, and why does human nature matter? A little background on the history of philosophy. The Greek translation of philosophy is love of wisdom. Originally, everything except law and medicine were considered philosophy. Philosophy today is the study of asking unanswerable questions, and then trying to answer them. And as we find concrete ways to tackle these questions, we learn more about the nature of our reality and find more concrete ways to define it. This is how new branches of knowledge are established. It's because of philosophy that we have science, astronomy, physics, mathematics, biology, chemistry, the scientific method, humanities, and every other formal branch of knowledge. It's this way of thinking about and questioning the world that has led us to some of the most important paradigm shifts in science, technology, and human history. These ideas were all born from radical thinkers, people who dared to question reality as it was understood and to speak truth to power at a time when it was definitely not safe to do so. Philosophers have been persecuted, poisoned, exiled, locked away, forced to suicide, driven to insanity, and burned alive just for asking questions, just for thinking. Why? Because these ideas critically challenged prevailing power structures. These ideas were anything but common sense. The other thing that Bill Nye critiqued um, about philosophy were these out there notions like, are we real? Are we not real? Do we live on a ping pong ball kind of kind of stuff? And I imagine that, you know, this is probably what a lot of people think of when they think of philosophy. And it's true. Some branches of philosophy can get really dense, technical and abstract. But you know what? So can science. And that doesn't diminish its importance. 
The second question, the second part is, is that questioning the nature of our reality is how new breakthroughs in science and technology and thought happen. So while it might seem like a bunch of snobby pricks just circle jerking in an ivory tower or deconstructing our reality like some bad trip down the rabbit hole, there's no doubt that these conversations have fundamentally changed the course of human history. Now, for me personally, that's not totally my thing. For me, it's not the questioning itself that's valuable or even the ideas, but it's the impact that these ideas have on our real lives that interests me. How these ideas color and shape our behavior. And I don't just mean talking about like what ifs, but critically examining what are the real life consequences of embodying and perpetuating certain philosophies. Like, do these ideas actually work in the real world? Do they have a, a positive impact on people's lives? Are they applicable? Or do they just cause more harm than good? This branch of philosophy is called applied ethics. So before we get any deeper, we'll kind of clarify, I'll clarify the difference between morals and ethics. Morals are the actual things or actions we consider to be good or bad, like stealing, lying, cheating, that kind of stuff. They are less important than ethics. Ethics are the ideas that underpin why a certain thing is good or bad. So even though they might be abstract concepts, ethics feed our sense of what is right and wrong. They directly shape our decision-making, our decision-making process and our behavior. And that behavior is real. And it has real and tangible consequences for not only ourselves, but every living thing around us. As my best friend put it, Without ethics, there are no boundaries to behavior. Buying is no different from stealing. Winning is no different from cheating. Sex is no different from rape. Some of the deepest pains that we experience come from the absence of ethics and accountability. So I told you earlier how my family was really, was, were the first people that taught me about compassion. Well, my best friend was the first person to teach me about humanity. Uh, he was the first person that really forced me to look at my own ethics and how they were shaping my world. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget this. So at this time, uh, I was still living with my dad and I just started working 40 hours a week. I was going to school four days, I was going to college four days a week. Uh, and then the rest of the time I was gone, I was partying with friends. And so the whole time I was growing up, my dad never really dated. Uh, so at this point he figured, you know, you know, it's, it's time for, you know, it's time for Papa. He figured he could let loose a little bit, right? So within two months, our place became the party pad and his crazy alcoholic girlfriend moved in with us and it was fucking awful. Oh my God, it was awful. Every night between 3am and midnight, she'd get super drunk and she would just bang on the walls and doors for hours, screaming these horrible, nasty, disgusting things, things, gross things. I don't even want to repeat like calling my dad every gross and nasty name that you could think of, saying disgusting things about him. Um, and, and one night my best friend was over and I just, I just, I couldn't take it anymore, you know, like, and I just, I was so angry. I just started, I just fucking started going off. I just started yelling. I was like, you know what? The only fucking reason she's here is because her brother beat her up and my dad feels fucking sorry for her. You know what? Next time she falls asleep on the couch, I'm going to fucking chop all of her hair off. I'm gonna go into her room, I'm gonna drag her clothes out, I'm gonna throw them over the balcony and I'm gonna fucking set them on fire. And before I could even finish, he, he just got up and he just started walking out and he just goes, I, I can't be around this. 
He's like, I, I understand where you're coming from and you're angry, you know, and you have every right to be, but I, I, I can't listen to that. I gotta go. And I was, I was like, what? I was like, are you, are you kidding me? You're mad at me? Look at how she's acting. She's a fucking monster and you're mad at me? And he goes, yeah, sure, you know, she might be a monster, but she's broken. She's fucked up and she doesn't know any better. And he's like, but you do. You do, you know better. And when you, when you talk like that, you sound like a monster. Fuck him. Fuck. And when he said that to me, I just, he was right. I, I knew he was right because I fucking felt like a monster. I didn't want to feel like that. I didn't want to be like that. And, and at that moment I realized I was angry. I was angry because I couldn't stop the cycle of suffering that my dad was in. It hurt me to see somebody that I cared about so much that had shown me so much love and so much compassion just be abused, you know? And, and I was angry that I couldn't stop his suffering. And so at that moment when I realized that, um, I realized I, I couldn't stop the suffering, but I could choose to not add to it. And I could refuse to engage with it. And so, you know, despite having to watch her abuse my dad, having her instigate me, yell at me, screaming at me inches from my face, I moved past her. I just moved past her. I saved money and I moved out six months later. It took my dad three more years to finally do the same thing. And the point of all this is we, we can't stop all the suffering in the world but we can consciously make decisions to create less of it. And we do this by having a cohesive system of ethics. To me, this is the point of philosophy and ethics, is to reduce human suffering. I, I, just, I can't think of any, any, any more important cause than that. So that's, that's my goal and that's, that's, my, that's my purpose, is to always reduce human suffering. And so for me, I do this by synthesizing theory and practice. To me, ideas not only have to be logically sound on paper, but they also need to be applicable to us in our real lives. And while it might seem fair to merit all ideas equally, in practice, their results are far from equal. Ideas like solipsism, nationalism, racism, these ideas lead to real world problems like suicide, world wars, and genocide. I don't think there's any such thing as like bad ideas, but there are definitely ideas with worse outcomes and very negative consequences. For example, the human nature debate. Are human beings inherently good or evil? How we choose to answer this question is gonna set the foundation for our ethics. It fundamentally shapes our expectations and our relationships with other people. Personally, I think this question kind of offers a false dichotomy. Are human beings inherently good or evil? Let's start with a different question. What is human nature? What do we already know about human beings and how they operate? So when I tackle this question, I split it into two parts. I start with our, our biological and our physical nature, um, our human condition, and then we talk about our mental, spiritual, psychological nature, right? So biologically, Biologically, we're a lot of things. We're social creatures, pleasure-seeking, creative, adaptable, and just like all of biology and evolution, 
We're lazy. We're going to grow and adapt to our surroundings in the easiest way possible. Mentally. Mentally, we're very complex, all with very different ideas about souls and spirits. But I think that there's a good, there's a couple things that we can all agree on. Um, one, we're all conscious to varying degrees. Uh, and two, we all have free will. Again, to varying degrees. So for sure, what do we know about human nature? We're adaptable, we're conscious, and we have free will. This is important because other animals aren't conscious. Their nature is determined for them by their impulses. Human beings are not only conscious of themselves and their impulses, but they're also capable of change and working against undesirable impulses. So this means that unlike any other animal, we have the ability to determine our human nature. We decide if human beings are good or evil with every decision that we make. And each one of us contributes to this narrative every day. And if we don't like that narrative, then we have to change it. However, if we're not acting consciously, then that decision gets made for us. The more conscious we are of our system of ethics, the more certain we can be of which side we're on. Which side? Which side of history we're on? Who were we in history? Who will I have been in history? Was I fighting for the rights of others? Or was I standing in their way? Did I take a stand for something? Or was I a person who did nothing? And always remember that doing nothing is a choice. Sometimes it's all we can do to not add to the violence, and that's okay. But if we aren't ultimately working toward change, then the suffering's never gonna end. We all have free will, and we're all allowed to make our own choices. I'll never tell you anything different. But the choices we make and how we make them are a direct reflection of what we believe and who we are internally. How do I make my decisions? Think about that. How do I make my decisions? Are they based solely on what's in my personal best interest? Maybe what's gonna take the least amount of effort? Or maybe just whatever's gonna be the most profitable. Could my decisions, ethics, or values possibly have negative consequences on other people? Do I care? Over time, our answers to these questions are gonna determine whether or not human beings go down in history as good or evil. And they'll determine which side we were on. I know which side I'm on. Do you? Well, that's all I got for you tonight. <laughs> Stay tuned for episode four, and I'll talk a little bit more about why somebody like me decided to become a cam girl anyway. <laughs> and as always, if nobody has told you today, let me be the first. I don't know you, but I love you. You there listening to my podcast, watching my vlog, you're, you matter. Thank you so much. Thank you for supporting me. I couldn't do what I do without your support. So thank you so much. And I look forward to sharing more content with you.